everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and this is Debbie coming to you from sunny South Florida after a fabulous week in Hawaii. Aloha. And I love to tell my friends in Canada, it is hot, hot, hot down here in South Florida, and uh, probably is in Canada. Oh my gosh, I was just in Dallas, and it was like a bakery. It was so hot. Uh, but I'm back to the sunny breezes and, uh, and glad to be here. Everybody, today is a fun show. It's my birthday. <laughs> I don't usually say that, but I really do love, uh, I love being the age I am. And even when my brother sent me a text this morning and spelled my name wrong, he goes, a lot of candles on that birthday cake. And I said, well, maybe for the D-E-B-B-I-E, there's a lot of candles, but not <laughs> Um, and I really, you know, I'm, I'm happy now and I don't mind being 64. Don't mind at all. And, uh, actually it was, it was fun yesterday. I was somewhere, uh, oh, flying back from Dallas and this gal, um, had a couple of glasses of wine before she started talking to me and she was laughing about, we were dancing to ABBA and some other music. And I said, well, my dad loves that music. And she goes, oh, my mother loves that music. I said, well, how old's your mom? Oh, she's 60 something. I'm like, well, so am I. Oh, you look so much younger than my mother. I'm like, well, thanks very much. I have good genes from my 92 year old father and 87 year old mother. So anyway, it's a beautiful day and we've got lots to talk about. And uh, I just want to thank my guest, Angela Schutz, for being my special birthday guest. Welcome from Connecticut, my friend. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here on your birthday. I felt very honored to be invited on your birthday. And I don't mind being 74. Ah, you don't look 74 <laughs> at all. So this is the uh, Mutual Admiration Society today. <laughs> and I guess I'm all ginned up because I'm still on Hawaii time. So there it's like three o'clock in the morning. And uh, I could have taken a nap, but I'm not going to because today's show is really fun, you guys. And uh, it, actually, I think I titled it, It's My Birthday. However... My special guest today, going to give credit to how we, we first connected. It was through Linda Fisk and Leadership Global out of Dallas. Linda texted me and said, Deb, I've got this woman I want you to meet. And happened to be, she was right here coming into South Florida. And we were able to have lunch together, not once, but twice. And it was fun. I started thinking about it going, gosh, if I'd only done that with the guy that I was supposed to be meeting online. <laughs> It would have been a whole lot better than my story. <laughs> so 
we had fun. And thank you, Linda Fisk and the, the gals at Leadership Global for connecting us because it was a fast friendship right off the bat. Lots and lots of fun. So, my dear, I always start my show with having my guests tell a little bit about who they are, where they came from, and a little bit about your background two years ago. Go ahead. Two years ago. Okay. So, I'm Angela Schutz. I am actually a career coach by trade, but um, I've been an author since 2010, and that seems to be taking precedence lately. I live in Orange, Connecticut, which is the next door neighbor to Yale University. So that's like the landmark of the world is Yale University. Um, I've had a long line in education. I have taught every age except high school. I've taught preschool, elementary school, and most recently college. I teach human resources. Um, so I've had a very interesting career. I've been in the medical industry, working for the chief of cardiology at Yale. I've been in education, um, you know, doing all sorts of things. And now, as I said, writing is my favorite thing. So I was married for 43 years. My husband died six years ago. And I decided I did not want to be alone. This is a girl with lots of energy and lots to give. I also catered for 25 years. I've done many things in my life. Um, so I decided to go into online dating. And the writer in me said, why don't you record this? Why don't you just make it a journal of what happens the first 30 days? So that's how I started writing my book. Okay, called... don't, don't get into that yet. That's okay. a long conversation. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Connecticut, married 43 years. Let's go back a little bit further, though. Uh, growing up, did you grow up okay. in Connecticut? Yes, I did. And siblings, brothers, sisters? Um, I had one older brother, seven years older than I am. Unfortunately, he passed 20 years ago, so oh, a long time ago. A very Italian family. That's how I learned to cook. I learned to cook at the age of five. Um, and, and, and my guest, she doesn't cook a little. She cooks for the masses. I do. I do. And it, it's very interesting because the cooking has done many things for me. I've written four cookbooks with my family. Um, when my husband died, I decided I was going to invite someone to dinner one day a week so that I made a special meal and I wasn't alone. So that was fabulous because I always thought of somebody I wanted to invite over and it could be a lady friend, it could be a male friend, it could be a family, whatever. But one day a week I celebrated and cooked a huge meal. So um, that's a really lovely thing to do because I know after Lou died, I withdrew because I didn't fit into the family group. I didn't want to be the widow's group. My friends at that point became the 80-year-old men who'd lost their wives. Mm -hmm. It was more their daughter. Right, right. And they, they had to convince me to go out with them to, to a church function or something like that because they wanted to go, but they didn't want to be alone. But I really liked that idea. Yeah. Oh, it's been wonderful. And I'm still doing it. You know, it's wonderful. And you connect with friends that you haven't seen in a while. You make really strong bonds because it's all about the memories we make with people. You know, it's not just, this is my friend, but this is my friend that I went to the tea house with. 
this is my friend that invited me for dinner. You know, you have those strong memories. And, and when you think about people in your life that have passed on, what do you do? You remember all the good times you had with them. So that's another, this was another way of providing that for me is make memories with people. Did you start cooking with your grandma then? I did at the age of five. Um, I lived in a very neat house and I'd come home from kindergarten and I'd say, Nanny, I want to make a mess. And she'd say, go get the eggs, go get the flour. And we cooked every single day. It was so much fun. And it was such, you know, she lived with us. So, and, and it's interesting. My grandfather died when my grandmother was 60 and my parents immediately took her to live with them because 60 is too old to live alone. <laughs> Times of change. <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking 52 might have been too old to live alone for a while. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, 60 today is what that would have been the 40 or 30 back then. Exactly. Or vice yeah. versa. I mean, 60 today, well, obviously we're older than 60, and it's certainly not going to put us, you know, in, in uh, babushkas. My grandma used to wear this little babushka thing. <laughs> Um, yeah. she always looked old, but that's, that's not going to happen. So those, those cooking memories at the times with, do you have a special recipe your grandma had? Oh, they're oh. just too many, <laughs> too oh. many. Cause we just love to bake. And she had an interesting past because she never had a day of education in her life. And when she was 10 years old, she lived in Italy. When she was 10 years old, she was farmed out to be a mother's helper. And she was sent to this very rich woman's home. And the woman taught her to make lace and to decorate food. She was so elegant and didn't know how to read or write. Never had a formal education, but she was so smart and so elegant. And she had the best posture in the world. You would think she was royalty. She was a beautiful soul. Well, and those are the things you don't learn in school anyway. Right. <laughs> That's so true. It'll last your lifetime. <laughs> So that's, <laughs> ah, that's great. Well, it makes me feel good. I, I love talking about family stories. It, it's that's part of my part of my being. Um, okay, fast forward. You're married 43 years. Mm -hmm. We all know being married, even a week, there's the ups and the downs, and you know, you contribute 60% and him 40 or 90 and 10. And so, and we've talked about this. Life is not always a bowl of cherries. Right? Right. So, <laughs> When he passed, um, there's a transition period. How long after he died did you start dating again? About a year. Okay. Did anybody tell you to hold off longer than that? Or were they at that point saying, time now? No, I, I'm so independent. I've always been. And I didn't have a traditional marriage. Um, I was never home. I worked and I paid all the bills. And it was a very different marriage than a lot of people have. And so, you know, I was used to supporting myself and him and our lifestyle and our child. And, you know, so nobody would say to me, no, don't do that. Okay. So you were ready to move on with your life by yourself. Uh, did you do any dating in person? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. But didn't find anybody that way. Or did um, you? I, I did after not too long, I did find somebody and um, really head over heels in love from an online dating site. And we moved in together and 
Um, unfortunately, he became very ill mm. and he died of COVID two years ago. Oh my gosh, Angela, I'm sorry about that. Thank you. Yeah. Double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I thought, okay, you got to get back on the dating sites. I don't know how, well, I guess I do know how you did that. I, I kind of jumped on it too. Hang on, let me hear. Someone else wants to come in. Um, so you jumped in. What kind of dating site did you go to? I went to our town, our time, because it's supposed to be for the seniors. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the first one I tried was called something singles. And it was horrific. In what <laughs> way? At least. Um, it was, you know, if you jumped into a chat room, it was all people um, explicitly talking about sex. I didn't even understand all the jargon that they were using, but definitely wasn't for me. Um, but the minute I'd get onto a chat, get into a chat room, I'd get all these messages. And, you know, it was from 20 year olds. It was very strange. It was very strange. I don't want to be another person's mommy. I'm already a mommy. <laughs> I believe they call those cougars. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that was more, that was a very advanced age cougar. Let me tell you, with a 20 year old, I think. <laughs> okay, so, so looking back at my stuff too, when you looked for the men, how did you feel about the profiles that were coming up? Because you were... Um, what, what was the age group you're looking at? I'm looking for 70 year olds. Okay. You know, 65 to 75. Um, there were 85 year olds that popped in as well. Um, yeah, the profiles, you look at profile pictures and I talk a lot about this. Men kissing fish, men in sunglasses that you can't see what they look like. Men with their dogs or cats draped over their shoulders very strange. It's like, why would that be attractive to me? I couldn't figure that out. Yeah. I, I remember the pictures with the white beater t-shirts. That's what I call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are the guys on the motorcycles with the women. And I'm thinking seriously. Yeah. So you probably were looking for a professional guy. Yes. Someone that, you know, you're about your age. Did it matter if they were local, international, were you just putting it out? No, I really wanted, you know, my whole thing is I want somebody to hang out with, you know, I want somebody I can get to know, go to the movies with, you know, go on little day trips. That's how I want to start. I don't want somebody that lives in Pennsylvania that I can't get to. So I definitely wasn't looking. I, you know, I wasn't looking for people that were far away. I wasn't definitely wasn't looking for anybody that had never been married right away. That screamed commitment issues to me. If you're 70 years old and you've never been married, I don't know if it's true or not because you can't tell from, from what they write, yeah. but I definitely would never connect with them. Did I'm a family have, person. Yeah, any issues with widowed or divorced or that? I actually like widows because I feel like at some point they have a good relationship. And with divorced people, you don't know how bad it was. You just don't. I mean, I've I've gone out with men that were divorced, you know, 12 years ago and they still can't talk about it. So, it, you know, it had to be very bad. That's an interesting um, point because I felt the same way because I had obviously been a widow and I felt like we could connect a little bit better. Fast forward a few years 
scammers like to be widows, widowers. Yes. You know, it's very interesting. So you jumped in, you didn't, did you know anything about scammers at that point prior to online dating? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. And, yeah. and I knew nothing about online dating. <laughs> did you have friends that talked to you about online dating? No. All my friends are married. Okay. I had my mother tell me, hey, go for it. You know, her best friend who was in her late seventies, early eighties, met a man online. She said, just meet him, meet him for lunch, make sure someone's in the background watching. So you had no clue like me. It was safe. It was fun. You could do it from the safety of your home. Right. Why did you jump in and do the book at the same time? That's the writer part that now I want that story. Yeah. The writer in me. So I thought, well, I don't know anything about this. And I bet there are a lot of people exactly like me that know nothing about it. So why don't I journal about it and turn it into a book? So that's what I did. Day one, this is what happened, you know, and, you know, and some of it's a little boring because it's, you know, day after day. And um, I made sure I made up names for everybody. There is, it's not. It's not showing. Maybe mine will show. Can you pull up? There it is. I love it. A Boomer <laughs> Chicks Guide to Online Dating. That is not Angela, but that's how <laughs> we all feel on that Zoom bike. On the little okay. Vespa. She's my alter ego. <laughs> so you started off, did you just, did you give yourself 30 days and say, this is what I'm going to do for 30 days or where the timeline come well, from? Well, that's what I was, uh, that's how it started. It was going to be just a 30-day journal and see where it goes and see what happens. Um, and as I was saying, I made up names. It was Mr. Stamp Collector, Mr. Longfellow, Mr. Italian Stallion, depending on how they presented themselves. So that, and that actually worked out because in writing the book, I didn't have to change anything. I never, never put anybody's name in the book. And they yeah. wouldn't even necessarily recognize themselves if they read the book. That's funny. Uh, they wouldn't be reading it anyway, most for the most part. I mean, but I loved it. When I heard about that, that was actually the first thing that I read about you when Linda sent me your information. Uh, I knew about your executive coaching and all that wonderful stuff that you do in real life. But when I saw that book title, I'm like, oh my gosh, got to get this, got to read this. And I, I laughed because I saw every aspect of what you went through. So Scar's survivors if you're watching this you want to read a very interesting book after the fact the boomer chicks guide to online dating says you never oh you're never too old to look and love to look and love just beware and be aware because the story goes on right there were some guys you had a cougar guy right young guy yeah friendship yeah Yeah. mr 45 (laughs) Did did you ever meet him in person no no, I wouldn't. Because he was because, too young? Uh, he was too young and the attraction was strong. I wouldn't meet him. I wouldn't go out with somebody that was 45. I mean, I have my own boundaries. So what were those boundaries? Um, I actually don't go out with anybody that's younger than 65. Okay. Because that's enough. That's, you know, almost 10 years younger than I am. And, you know... Mr. 45 was the same age as my son. There's no way I would do that. I wouldn't do it to my son, you know, because if it became serious, then how was my son supposed to deal with somebody his age going out with his mother? Yeah, a little more going to happen. Did your son know you were doing this? Oh, absolutely. My son, 
that was that's funny. My son, every time I went out on a date, I had to leave the man's name and phone number. And he, if it was his real name, you know, if I actually got his real name, my son always did a background check on them. Okay. He would not let me just go out. Did he, uh, does he have find a friend or whatever on the phone? No. My, no. my daughter does that when she goes on a date or my best friend, my girlfriend next door. She'll say, hey, I'm going to be here. Check my phone. If I'm not back, look and see where I am. So yeah, that's great. Just a safety precaution. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with that. Your son knew. Did he ever meet any of the guys? Oh, yeah, he did. Okay. So we're kind of, I, ladies, I'm sorry if I'm fast forwarding in the book. There's so much information. It's fun. I love the descriptions. Um, there's, tell us a little bit about each of the guys really briefly. Who are they? Especially the ones um, you didn't, the ones you didn't see in person. Um, actually, a lot of the men in the book are men I didn't see in person. Um, because I was really trying to protect the ones I did see. Oh, but anyway, anyway, so, you know, as I said, they present themselves in very interesting ways. The Italian stallion was like ready to fight with me. I mean, you know, first it was this hot, you know, oh, he was so interested in me. And he was, I like people that can banter. I like that quick wit. And so that's always what attracts me to them. But then all of a sudden, He'd slam the door on me. Like he said to me, uh, I said, well, because I don't, I'm new to online dating, I'm writing a book about it. He said, you phony, what do you think you know? Oh dear. Oh, You dear. think you have enough information to write a book? Boom, he was gone. And then the next day I thought, I'll just say hello to him and see what happens. Boom, he was gone again. It was really funny. So, you know, and some of them actually, some of the men, I have become such good friends with because there's such difference between a soul mate and a soul friend. And what happens is when you first meet someone that you're really into, you know, you're on the same page, you've practically finished each other's sentences, you like the same music, you like this, you like that. Um, that's not necessarily your soul mate, but people get lured into that relationship. And sometimes they even marry that guy only to find out the romance can't live because he's not your soulmate. He's your soul friend. So I have a, I have a soul friend in Long Island and we have been such good friends. He tells me about his dates. I tell him about my dates. He's there for me. I'm there for him. Um, he brings his dates to Christmas dinner. <laughs> I mean, it really is such a fabulous relationship. And it started as a date. How soon did you know that it wasn't going to be a soulmate versus a soul friend? Um, for me, pretty quickly, because I didn't feel anything romantic. I loved him. I would protect him with my life. But it, there wasn't that romance. And so I knew that. But I also knew I did not want him out of my life. So when you reeled it back and realized that when he was going into the friend territory, yes, how did, he, how did he react to that? Initially, it was hard for him, but then he thought about it and he said, you know what? I don't want you out of my life either. And here's the funny thing. Anytime he dates a new woman, he says to her, if I'm going to date you, you have to know that I'm a package deal because I come with Angela. 
And he does because I have to meet them all. They come to my house for food. I mean, it's really funny, but he's so serious about I am a part of his life. And I will always be a part of his life. That's nice. I, I had this discussion with my daughter who um there was a friend of hers and friend. Yeah. He wanted more. She decided it wasn't it. She goes, How do I go back? Because a lot I find a lot of guys can't do the friend thing after they've had romantic thoughts. Yeah tough but I'm glad to hear that but you met him you dated him you saw him tell us a little bit about because this is this is a a, an online dating thing that really irks me is the men that present themselves as military you have one character as the general yes explain to our audience who the general was so um he presented himself as being a general in the army and he was overseas you know and I'll tell you the thing about scammers. They write the most beautiful romantic notes you will ever read in your life. A romance novel isn't better than their notes to you. And they're always gonna be there. Talk to me. I'll always be your shoulder to lean on. I mean, they're so romantic. And even though I'm not there, I'm with you in spirit. And I tell you, it's like, woof. They can just win you over right away. So. Um, and then it turned out that, oh, well, he, he really got involved with something and he had a way of getting a lot of money, but of course he couldn't get it in his name and he wanted to send it to me. Yeah. Scam yeah, alert, we, scam we, we know that story, uh, but I, a lot of people around the world don't. And there's something about a man in uniform. Now, did you grow up with military or not? No, I did not. No, I did. So I see it. But a lot of the the women that I've worked with um, that have been victim to a a military impersonation is that that uniform is very, the people in uniform are very trusting. Right. You see them and you feel like, oh my gosh, they've got to be honest. They have to be, have integrity. Stable. Did that come into play? Oh, absolutely. This was so exciting. It was so exciting. And where, where was he? Presumably, um, I think he said. I think he said Afghanistan. So overseas, which overseas. at the time, which at the time was true, the right. military was there, and he sent me all the military shots with him in uniform and his buddies and everything. Okay, he's actually in Nigeria, but you know. Well, we know that now, but yeah. at the time, you didn't right. think that. I no. never thought that. Any clue that the, any of the guys were overseas? I mean, in Nigeria, Ghana. Him, no, I mean, they, they tell you stories, you know, they watch the news, and they, they fabricate stories. But nothing in his in his talking with you would have indicated he was actually sitting in Nigeria. No, no. Same with me. And that's a big clue, everybody, is that they are very professional about what they're doing. These are not guys sitting in a cafe somewhere. These are university trained individuals. Mm-hmm. And their job is to get money from you. But the ones that, that impersonate military, I think probably gripe me the most because of my family and our active duty you know, presence. Um, there are checkpoints, things to look at. You know, if, it, if it's a general officer, particularly general officers, admirals, their pictures are everywhere. Do a photo search on that picture and you will find out that, it's, that it's, it is not a real general ever. Um, 
because they will not do that. But it's very effective. And we found particularly in the Far East, women from the Philippines and from over in Asia. Oh, did I just lose you? I hope not. Technical difficulties, folks. For a moment, I lost power and Angela continued speaking. Her scammer proceeds to tell her at this point how he can't find good work and that he's forced to go into scamming in order to make money for the family. I'm not sure I believe this because scammers are criminals and there's no justification for what they do. I'm so grateful that Angela continued on with her story. Unfortunately, I didn't hear that part, but we're going to get back to the rest of the story. Thanks for sticking with us. Degrees of money, but our lives are pretty good. And so here's somebody who lives in a country where he wants to work desperately. He's very intelligent. He's putting himself through school and he can't find a job anywhere. There's no way to make money. There's no way to put food on the table. And so he gets lured into scamming by somebody in the UK. And I said to him, did you meet that man? He said, no, never, never. But well, they give us a script and they tell us what to say and they tell us how to do it. It's organized crime. It is big it is. business. And, it is. Uh, and it's, it's a shame. And I'm sorry I missed part of that. And part of that's not recorded. So we're going to have another show just on that. <laughs> uh, but it, it was interesting because there was one part of your book. Um, and this is where, you, again, you had set yourself 30 days for this. And, and I love the book until I got to the one chapter where you're talking about the women that were not gullible, I don't think was the word to use, but the ones that, that gave money away. And I felt a little bit of victim blame going on there originally, you know, um, which can happen. And it does happen. And it's unfortunate because there, as I've learned over the last 10 years, there is an art and a psychology to the scam. And the only thing that the, the women and the men victims, because they're uh, Palm Beach County, uh, in, in Palm Beach County, the FBI told me more men were taken for a lot of money than women, but the men will never tell. They'll never talk. Uh, Especially older men. Exactly. Who go into it basically wanting to help a young, younger woman, you know, to be there for her. And when they find out it's been a scam, they're angry. They're angry that they were taken because typically they're pretty successful businessmen. And now they've been taken by a, a young woman. Perhaps it is a man hiding behind a young woman's picture. Right. Not, right. A, good, not a good scenario for these men. So um, where I was going with that is that the only thing that the victim has said that had did, done wrong was accept a friend request or engage in a conversation. And at that point, the scammer got you, uh, get, gets us. And it happens and it's unfortunate. Um, it happens all the time. And that was the one thing that I wanted to explain here uh, because I think a lot of the victims reading your book are gonna get to that point and say, well, but she doesn't understand. You mentioned something about the general and I'm thinking if that relationship had gone on for more than 30 days, would it have been possible that you could have gotten sucked in a little bit further? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Without well, a doubt, he always said the exact thing I needed to hear. So, yes, I would have. But once he got to the point of scaring me with, this is a lot of money, I need to get it to the States. Uh, I couldn't be involved in that. So he, he, he went a little bit too far on the story. Um, but typically they don't, especially, you know, for those that have gotten in. And I found for me, it started off small. It's a small ask. 
And that's true with any, I'm surprised this, this Bitcoin guy that that's the Bitcoin financial scams are the biggest relationship thing going on now. And the, the word actually, they, they call it pig butchering. It's a horrible term. Really? Yeah. It came out of China. And if you think about it, you're fattening up the cow, fattening up the pig to get ready to slaughter. And they are very good at it. It doesn't take a lot of relationship building in an investment scam like that. They don't have to do the one year or two year relationships because we all want to make some money right now. And they're very good that the, the, the uh, websites, the landing pages are extraordinarily well done. They are beautiful. And people are actually getting a little bit of money back. That's how they do it. Send me 400, I'll send you 800. Look at this investment, now put more in and then poof, they're gone. Right, right. The general didn't pull that on you. Yeah. He was in it for the, he was in it for the long run. Yeah. Presumably. And the big haul. <laughs> and the big haul. Basically. Yeah. Over time. And it comes over time because once they get you to send a little bit, for me, it's like family. He became my family. Did you ever feel like that with, with the guys that you were, well, particularly the ones that you had gotten a little more involved with? Absolutely. You know, and even with the general, he had one daughter, you know, this, this one daughter that he loved dearly. And I actually made a photo album. Every time he sent me a photo, I would put it in this album and I was getting it ready to give to his daughter. You know, he, I immediately was attracted to the fact that he was a family man. You know, if that's who you are, you're attracted to that. Right. So that's another lure. Right. It's not just, oh, you're beautiful and I can talk to you and, you know, all that stuff. It's what are your values? And if family is one of your values and they talk about how much they love their kids and their grandkids, you're immediately lured in. He's got to be a nice guy. Look at all these pictures with children and, yeah. Did yeah you, it's easy. Where was I thinking about that? Um, oh, did you talk to him? Yes. On uh, uh, WhatsApp or something? On chat. No, on chat. I did, Yahoo, I did Yahoo chat. Yes. Yes. So you, you never saw him uh, physically? Oh, no. The, the reception was always too bad to see him. Yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. what year was this? When, when did this happen? let's see, probably 2007, uh, 2017. Oh, 17. Because yeah. mine was 2010, Sorry. 2012. And that yeah. was the big thing. I, I might've talked to him two or three times, but very short. Again, yeah. reception. Um, in today's scamming, it's they're, they're doing chatting, they're doing texting, they're doing some video. I mean, the technology has just really upped itself that where they can, they can do the uh, artificial intelligence and they can change what they're saying, what they look like. So it was interesting that, that, you know, back then, even just a few years ago, it was, it was a little bit different. Um, so you never saw him, you, the writer, me, the writer, yes. I feel like you could express to him a lot more because you were in, it was written. Absolutely. Well, and the thing is anonymity is very interesting because you always feel freer. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say anything because they don't really know who you are. You know, you're not really being that vulnerable because it's just words, right? So you can say anything. And, you know, it's very easy to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have 4,000 pages of journal. Again, like you, I figured I was, it was family history. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's for the kids to look and see, look how we met. How exciting would that be? Oh yeah. (laughs) When you realized that the the general was a, was a scam, did you call him on it? And how did he react? Um, I did call him on it. And I also called the FBI to see if I could track down the IP address, all of that. And they said, forget it. If he's overseas, forget it. You know, there's no way for us to track any of it. Did, so, you, did you report any of it to anybody other than the FBI? No. If you still no. have that information, please do. Anyscams.com. Anyscam.com. Report, report, report. The reason why we encourage people to report is that we're not going to get any money back. We're not going to find these guys. But they're collecting that information. And, uh, and our, our organization knows when I was in Dallas for a, a court appearance for a, a sentencing hearing for a fellow who was convicted, um, the FBI put together an incredible forensic timeline with names, numbers of bank accounts and all these things. I was totally blown away because like you, the FBI said, unless you can get them here, there's nothing we can do. I saw the value of what the FBI can do, uh, but the FTC is very uh, involved in it now. They're actually the ones that we want people to uh, report to. So anybody listening to this, if you've been contacted by a scammer and you know he's a scammer, uh, report it to anyscam.com, go to romancescamsnow.com, go to FTC, I think it's ic3.gov, I'll put this out on the show, but report, report, report is the first step to you getting control back and we can't shut them down. We, we shut down one and 10 come up. So unfortunately, but it's being aware of what's going on. And that's what I love about what you did here uh, because it was kind of a fun thing. Now, you actually met a man in person, fell in love with him. Yeah, oh, it was so wild. It was awesome. Would you be willing to talk about that one? Oh, I'd love to. And I'll tell you, there's a follow-up story that's not in the book. Okay. So, so, um, met this man online and we talked for months on the phone, you know, and back and forth, back and forth. I, I was just so enamored of him. And of course, I'm always looking for something with the same level of intelligence, the same level of education. He was a businessman. I mean, there were so many things that were right you know, all checking off all the boxes, right? So we finally decided to meet. He lives in New York City and I live in Connecticut. So we decided to meet and he said, no, 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 I'll drive to Connecticut. And we were going to meet at a restaurant. I gave him the address of the restaurant. And when we got there, the restaurant was closed. So he was already there in the parking lot when I got there and I got out of my car And he got out of his car and he just walked up to me and kissed me and then kissed me again. Didn't even say hello. It's like, we both were so connected. It was such an electrical connection. So then we picked another restaurant to go to that was right there in the same area. And he would reach out and hold my hands. He talked to me. Um, We were just like always on the same page. And the electricity between us was unbelievable. So we had sushi and it was very nice. And this is something I would never suggest doing. I said to him, do you want to come have coffee? My house was only two miles from the restaurant. 
so he came and he's looking around the house and he says, I love that this is such a home. Oh. Yeah. And uh, and the odd thing, this is a really odd thing. He said to me, I really want to kiss you, but I'm so allergic to makeup. Would you mind taking your makeup off? I mean, this is like really unbelievable. Unbelievable, right? <laughs> you never know. Yeah. So anyway, mad, passionate, but we weren't going to make love because we both had our standards. I'm not going to have a physical relationship with you until you have all your testing done. I want to know you don't have an STD. I want to be protected. And we both felt the same way, which was another thing that doesn't always happen. Right. right? So, so anyway, we parted and then we were, we called each other several times. And then he said to me, I don't think I can do this. And I said, why? And he said, because I'm never going to move to Connecticut and you're never going to move to New York City. So anyway, what happened was um, he told me his really best friend in the world um, had booked a, a cruise for him and his wife. And now he was and, and way in advance. And now he was divorcing his wife. And he asked my friend to go with him. So he was going to be away for two weeks. And I was happy that he was going to be away because I started doing more research on him. And his name did not show up anywhere. I couldn't. That's a clue. Yep. yep, I couldn't find his name. And I did image searches on Google Image. I mean, I really think you have to do background checks, even if you're absolutely sure they're wonderful people. Doesn't matter. It, you don't have to tell them you're doing a background check. Just do it. So anyway, he didn't come up anywhere. So then I said, so now, now the, you know, I'm all fired up. I've got to find out what this is about. So then I took the other information he gave me. I knew when his birth date was. I knew what his son's name was. I knew where his son lived. He told me everything about his life, except his real name. Uh. So then I found his name and I looked him up and, and I got so much information. I got his driver's license number. I found out how much his last house sold for that he, he had sold. I mean, I, I got a Google image of where he lived. I knew exactly where he was living in New York. I knew his business name. I got so much information and that's something I encourage people to do. Find out, find out if they're real. So then I was annoyed because I really liked this guy. And I was so mad that he'd given me a false name and I found out his real name. So anyway, a couple of things happened. I certainly wrote a story about him called The Great Imposter. Okay. And it was, you know, talking about all of these things. Like, why would you, you know, you were so into me. Why wouldn't you say, oh, my online profile is not my actual name? Right. So as soon as I found that out, I actually took my pictures down. I left my profile up on our time and I took my pictures down and he started flirting with me under another name. Ah. <laughs> okay. So then I'm even more angry. It's like, wait, I thought this guy was so real and he's not. So, so anyway, I wrote the story and I mailed it to him because I knew where he lived. Right. And um, I got this note from him. I was on a date and this was this was another funny thing. This guy had a private plane, 
flew down to New Haven from Massachusetts in his private plane to take me to a concert. So I'm just getting out of this date and I get this text from him saying, I'm really sorry. You know, I want to talk to you. He got, he had gotten the, the story. So anyway, he called me and he said, you know, you've made me out to be such a monster and I'm not, you know, that 90% of what I told you was real. You wouldn't have been able to find me if it wasn't real. He said, but I was stalked by a woman. And so I never use my name online because I don't want that to happen. So just tell you that. I know. But again, could he trust me? He only met me once. You know, could he, would he know that I wasn't going to stalk him next? He didn't. I understand that. And what he said to me many times over was, if we had gotten to the point where we were going to be more intimate, you would certainly know beforehand exactly what my name was. I would never do that to you. So let me tell you what happened. The book was published. And just recently I thought about it and I said, you know, because he called me and he was so sincere in the call, like, I'm so sorry that I did that to you, but this is the reason I did it. And I don't know if you'll ever trust me again, but you know, I can't have a re relationship with you because of the distance and, you know, it, that just wouldn't work. But if you ever want to come into the city, I'd love to take you out to dinner if you ever need somebody to talk to. So this is what happened. I decided to mail the book to him. Oh, again, okay. a boomer chick's guide to online dating. <laughs> now. Because there's a whole chapter about the great imposter, right? <laughs> so I decided to mail the book to him. But before I did, I have him on checkpeople.com. And so anytime he moves, I get a message that he's moved. Anytime he switches phone numbers, I get a message that he switches phone numbers. Yeah. And I've done that with several people. So I decided to send him a text and say, I, I need to talk to you. I wanted to find out exactly where he lived. So he called me and he said to me, this is such a pleasant surprise. I said, well, I feel like I owe you the book because I... Yes, the story was pretty negative about you, and I was pretty angry, but I want you to know that the end of the story was that I was very happy that you would call me. And he said, I don't want to text you. I don't want to email you. I want to tell you in person that I'm a cad. I'm a coward, and I apologize profusely because I really do care about you. I did care about you. And I can't let it go that you think I'm this monster. So we had a great conversation at that time, but then I texted him and I said, I need to talk to you. So he called me and he said, this is such a pleasant surprise. And, and you know, we had gotten so close. Um, his father just died at 101 because I said to him, how's your dad doing? Um, I asked him about his son's surgery. I knew all these details about his life. He gave me all this information about him. So anyway, um, the end of that story was he is happily in a relationship and he was very excited to read the book. He said, especially because you rectified me, <laughs> you know, but anyway, it was so pleasant. It was so pleasant to um, 
put a good spin on the end of it. I won't see him. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't plan to have a relationship with him in any way, but it was nice to have that kind of closure that he really was the person I thought he was initially. And it was just this um, thing where he felt he had to use a fake name, you know? So, so it was, and it was fun to talk to him because it was like, we were really old friends. Yeah. It was interesting. But you found too, even with the guys that you met in person, there are lies that are told. There are people do not give, I went into it being as very, very transparent. That was just me putting myself out there. But I found as soon as I met some guys, they had lied about their age. They lied about their height. They lied about all these simple things that you're going to find out about. Um, (laughs) There there was one fellow, I believe too, that ended up being married. Oh, that was the very first man I met. And you really Uh, felt for him, right? I did. And he was, um, he said he was my age, but he was, he was at least maybe six years older and so attentive. He, you know, he would pack a picnic and we'd go on a picnic. He would pick me up after work and he'd have tea and cookies. I mean, he was just, and he always gave me such good advice. I mean, really authentically, he gave me great advice about things he and we went out quite a bit we went to movies and out to dinner and all this stuff um for a month and then he said you know I'm not going to be able to see you as much anymore because my wife is going to be coming home from Europe she's been there taking care of her parents wife who knew anything about a wife I mean it, it just becomes so very sad you know because and it's sad for them too because now they're caught up in the lie and they've grown to like you or sometimes even love you and now what did they do they get the proverbial door slammed in their face because you don't want any part of that I'm not going to be the other woman and for you to force me into that because I don't know that I'm the other woman that stinks yeah I don't, I don't understand what, what goes in, in and out of people's minds at that point. Right. Right. And, and another thing that we, I always tell people about is protect when you're protecting your identity, when you're on a dating site or you're doing that kind of thing, you don't need to put that you're a widow or that you're divorced. You presumably are single. But it's not a choice on some of the sites. You know that? That's a trick for the scammers. They're looking for the widows. They're looking for their divorcees and the new, the new people coming on. And that I don't put it on your Facebook profile. Don't put it on any social media profile. That is not something that people need to know. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't, the deception still gets to me, you know, especially when you meet them in person. It's like, why are you doing this to me in person? So except for our little blip with the electronics, this is such an engaging conversation. And I, my last bullet point here was, does online dating really work? How do you really feel about the online dating? Um, here, you know, I still like it. I still think it has some value. I was married for 43 years to a narcissist. They are a unique breed of people. <laughs> and I thought everybody was like my husband. <laughs> so being able to go on dates and seeing how protective men can be of women 
um, seeing different personalities and how they approached dating and how they approached me. Um, it was really nice to see that there were people different from those narcissists because they're tough. They're tough to live with. You, you, you can't change them. They're, you know, they're always right and they're always perfect and they're always all those interesting things. So going out with people that actually were sensitive and were kind and were protective and, and worried about what I was doing um, was really very pleasant. And I've made more than one soul friend on the dating world, which is nice. I have a lot of male friends that I'm just friends with. And we have dinner together sometimes or we go to concerts and there's no romance, but it's that male person in my life that I like having, you know, it's a different perspective that I like. So um, I still like online dating. I just think you have to be so fastidious about looking for clues on whether or not they're real and take your time. Don't jump into things right away. If they're, if they're really good people, they're gonna give you the time to develop a friendship. You know, don't jump into bed with people because it sent, first of all, it sends the wrong message. It sends you into this tailspin the minute you find out that they're not real. Um, there's lots of things, there's danger around that. So just take your time, get to know them. And not, you know, it's not all about the fast and furious. I talk about that a lot in the book. Like, I don't like those guys that they're the hey baby kind of guys right from day one. Hey baby, you know, they're ready to, jump on you well they also when they say that they also don't need to know remember your name and that's exactly tell, that's a tell for a scammer if they're running you know 20 or 200 women at the same time they're not going to remember debbie or angela and have right right you debbie and me angela because that'd be the end right so, or they say your name in every sentence because yes, they to remember, remember which one of the are. which one of the scam clients they're talking to remember who <laughs> you way. Oh my goodness. Well, there's a lot to learn. And I would, you know, read Angela's book, A Boomer Chick's Guide to Online Dating. Read my book on the other side of it, uh, The Woman Behind the Smile, because the two marry together nicely and it's fun. Now, you've contributed to a lot of books. You also gave me uh, the book that you wrote in. It's called The, the Book on Joy. Yes. And I read your uh story yesterday and it was called the joy of being a big beautiful woman and I loved it thank you I love this for the honesty of it and I mean you go right to the heart and and for any of us that have been or are a big woman in heart in size and body whatever um Angela's story here on on the joy of being a big, beautiful woman. She did make a comment here about be careful with the online dating. If you haven't been in a relationship recently, or you talk about it, it's, it was about you are not your weight, nor does excess weight diminish the skills and talents that you have. Exactly. We are quick to judge based on body type, body size, body beauty, whatever. Um, the point here with the online dating though, can you kind of give a little bit of warning for the gals that are big plus size, why they need to be especially careful in this area? 
Well, you know, if they really haven't had a relationship or um, anything of value, then they're more vulnerable because, again, there are scammers that like to play on the fact that they can lure you. You want attention. You haven't gotten any positive attention. You've gotten a lot of negative attention because you're overweight. And, you know, it's not fair, but it happens. And so you have to be careful that they're, you know, they're, they're dating sites called Big Beautiful People Meet. And you think that, um, all right, these guys would be understanding. These guys want a woman that's plus size. Um, and in some instances, it's absolutely true. There are men, and this was something that I found out that I loved, that there are men that are really attracted to plus size women. They don't want somebody that's stick thin. They want somebody that's curvy. Mm -hmm. And and so they're very attracted to plus sized women. Um, and everybody I've dated has been that way. Like they they like my size. They don't put it down. They don't ever make me feel like, you know, well, and if they even slightly hint at it, then they're done. Yeah, they're done. Because if you say you like me, then you should like this me. And if we start dating and you want to change me, then you're just a liar. I don't want you to change me. I am a highly accomplished professional woman. I've done all right for myself. And so why are you now, you know, the minute I say I'll go out with you, you want to change everything about me. If you'll only do this, if you'll only, oh, I'll buy you a QB so you can exercise your legs. I'll buy you this. So, you know, whatever. And it's very insulting. Like, I don't want to be changed. Frankly, I don't want to change you either. So you're not my type. You know, it comes so, down to your confidence, though. You oh, have a everything lot of confidence is, in yourself. It's that self-worth factor. And it doesn't matter about size. It's it is like the most prominent negative thing that people experience in this world. People always doubt themselves. They put themselves down. They have, you know, it's like they listen to the doubter in them rather than, you know, the promoter. And then if you have the family, that's the discouragement committee where you tell them something and, oh, you're not good enough to do that. Or, oh, no, you know, if you just lose some weight, Debbie, then you could get a real man. You know, I, they, they put the guilt on you and it's the saddest it happens, thing. Happens, it happens. And you and I were yeah. talking about it earlier when I was young, I was the athletic girl with the big bones. Right. And after right. you died and I got really skinny, I'm looking at the bones going, same bones. <laughs> now exactly. For the first time, you know, not in my life, but I was thinking, oh my gosh, I can finally fit into those skinny jeans. And one of Lou's best friends came into town. I loved him. And he goes, you look horrible. I was like, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't, you know, I mean, a too skinny, too fat kitten. Where, where am I good? So that's the point. Yeah. Find yeah. out where you feel comfortable with you and be careful with the online dating, especially because you're going to hear it's that amygdala hijack. You're going to hear those good things and you're going to believe those good things. And if the scammer is telling you those good things or criminals, I mean, they're not scammers. That's not a harsh enough word for them. If the criminals are telling you those good things, then you're going to get swept away and be right. careful. And that's when I suggest go to 
Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, STARS, go to romancescamsnow.com, read up. It's all about being aware of what's out there. I feel online dating has its purpose. I don't think it's safe enough, especially for over 50, to give us the, the real things that are happening out there. If I had seen even a little bit of a blurb saying, be careful, this is happening, I might've been a little more aware and not so easily jumping in. Because I had friends who are like, try online dating, it's safe. I'm only, I'm here and safe, safe, safe. I'm like, well, heck, that's not what happened. Uh, and for most of the women I work with, that is not what happened. Um, but we are brilliant women, you know, well-educated uh, and well-trained and all these things. And those are the ones that are getting taken because of our heart, not our body size, not our looks because of our heart. And I love your book and the books. I thank you for being my new best friend and for just, you know, having such a fun connection. And there's a lot out there that we can do together to raise awareness of the goods, the bads, the uglies in online dating. Right. On a high high note, you were dating someone when I saw you. Oh, well, um, I actually set him free. She released him. (laughs) I released him and there was not... um, best relationship I've ever had. And he was totally shocked that I released him, but he, you know, we were going out for nine months and it was not moving forward. Um, he didn't really have a place for me in his life, but he loved me. Yeah. And that's not what I wanted. I really wanted a relationship. It doesn't have to be marriage, but I wanted that special person that I could tell my secrets to. Um, he was, so shocked so shocked I bet but I needed and it was all very amicable but I had to do that for me because I respect myself there you go so that's what it's about my friend if you go online again beware and be aware uh I actually met my husband through a friend who was a matchmaker and I've interviewed some really fun matchmakers in the last couple of weeks and uh, oh well that's what I need I will connect you because there's one in particular. She was darling. I was on her show and she's on mine coming up. And uh, there's a lot of merit to having somebody be there with you. I call it the dating buddy. That's Uh, fabulous. We don't want to waste our time with the guys that aren't really going to be there for us. Right. Right. Anyway. And I just want, may I just say to the ladies out there, celebrate your uniqueness. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. Learn about who you are. There's nothing more beautiful than someone that steps into her own skin and knows who she is. And you need to be whole before you become part of a couple. So take some time with yourself and celebrate you. Yeah, yeah. You're you're a wonderful person, wise beyond your years, my friend. And uh, thank you so much for being my happy birthday guest. It's a, thank it's you. This was wonderful. <laughs> All right, we shall see each other again. And folks, thanks very much for being with us on Stand Up and Speak Up for another great show. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, 
make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.